Now, I don't know whether you've noticed it or not in the news, but there is a massive storm brewing in the art world at the moment. It seems that a Chinese artist has been churning out forgeries from his garage in New York City. And despite the fact that some of these fake paintings have even had the pretend artist's name misspelt on them, uh, they've been selling for millions of dollars and have made their way into upmarket art galleries and auction houses and even museums. And it's opened this Pandora's box about just how widespread forgery may actually be in the art world. A, because of the huge amounts of money involved, and B, because of the insular nature of the high-end art community, when high-profile people have been tricked by a forgery, rather than admit it, the art community actually turns a blind eye, perpetrates the lie and pretends that a painting is real, even though lots of people know that it's not. Last year, in the Australian Supreme Court, it was claimed that up to 30% of the art offered in the Australian art market could be forgeries. That Picasso you bought at uh, the Dubbo market may not be genuine after all. (laughs) All of which brings us to 1 John and today's Bible passage because it's also about forgeries. Only far more serious ones than paintings. Uh, This morning's passage is prompted by the existence of fake followers of God. Now, who exactly were these fake followers of God at the time that John wrote 1 John? Well, not really sure. I think, personally, the prime suspect would be the Jews at the time. If you read John's Gospel, there is massive opposition to Jesus and his followers by the Jews at the time. These were people who were going around saying, hey, We're the true people of God, not you newfangled Christians. We're the people of God. I think they're the prime suspect for the fake followers of God at the time John wrote this letter. But most people suggest that it was another group called the Gnostics that developed in early church history. And these were a sort of offshoot of Christianity that were really into knowledge and philosophy In one sense, it doesn't really matter. The main thing for us to understand here is that people were going around saying that they were the true people of God when they weren't. People were going around claiming to have eternal life and to know the truth about Jesus when they didn't. But you see, the presence of all these fakes floating around, that was a very unsettling thing for the Christians to whom John was writing this letter. The fakes were beginning to fool the original readers of the letter and make them wonder whether they were on the wrong track after all in following Jesus and believing what they believed. John doesn't want his readers to be unsettled like that because remember from the last couple of weeks, he wants them to know that they do have eternal life, that they are on the right track. And so what starts to happen this morning in today's passage is that John starts to list off some of the traits you would expect to find in a genuine follower of God as opposed to a phony one. 
so that his original readers might know that they are the real thing and it's the others who are the fakes. John begins to list off some of the attributes of the authentic people of God. And I say begins to because he's going to keep doing this until the very end of the letter. This is only the start this morning, but it's a pretty solid start. As this morning John tells us that obedience is a key attribute to the authentic people of God. It is a key attribute to authentic Christianity. Look at how he states the lesson in verse 3. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. Now notice that double emphasis on knowing. This is the first time John's done this in the letter and it's a sign that he's going on the attack against these other fakes that are floating around the place. We know that we have come to know him, John says. In other words, here's why you can be confident that you know God. Here's why you can be confident that you're a fair income follower of God. Here's how you can pick the counterfeits. We know we have come to know him if we obey his commands. Now, friends, if ever there's an important lesson to be learnt, this is one of them. Obedience to God is a sign of genuineness in following God. We know him if, we, if we're doing what he says. Now, in many ways, this is just another version of, you know, actions speak louder than words, isn't it? I mean, imagine if someone was to say to you that they were a liberal supporter, you know, and every time you saw them, they were telling you what a great Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull was and what a great job the Liberals are doing and how wonderful all their policies are. And yet come the next federal election, the person walks into a polling booth and votes Labor and then comes out again and wants to keep telling you what a strong Liberal supporter they are. Now, that's a nonsense. And even though they might be able to fool you because you weren't actually in the polling booth and seeing what they were voting, it's, it's still a nonsense. They're not really a Liberal supporter. The reality of their actions has given them away. Likewise, following Jesus. You may be sitting out there this morning saying you're a Christian. I hope you are. But it's what you are doing during the week that none of us really mightn't even see. That shows if you're really one. Because obedience is a sign of genuineness. Now, please don't misunderstand this either, okay? John is not saying, he is not saying that obedience is what qualifies us to be one of God's people. He's not saying that you've got to keep certain commandments in order to earn a place in God's people. That would totally contradict everything he's just said in the previous verses last week. Remember last week, it was all about how God is light and we're not. We're guilty of doing sinful things. We're guilty of having a sinful nature. That's why we need Jesus to purify us through his death on the cross. So being a Christian is not about relying on what we do. Being a Christian is relying on what Jesus has done for us. So when John now speaks here of obeying commands, it's not, it's not that obedience qualifies us to be one of God's people. It's that obedience is one of the qualities when you are one of God's people. Obedience is just one of the telltale signs of whether a person who says they follow Jesus really does. 
And having stated that, le- that lesson, what John now does next is, is he repeats it a couple of different times in a couple of different ways, firstly so as to reinforce it, but also to introduce some other important issues that he wants us to get straight as well. For example, look at the next verse, verse 4. Notice the connection between obedience and truth. Verse 4. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar. The truth is not in him. See, obedience and truth are getting linked here. You can't actually have one without the other. The person who does not obey God just doesn't have the truth in them, is what John says. Now, what exactly is this truth that's not in them? Well, John's going to go on and say a lot more about the content of this truth. That's because, as the letter goes on, believing the truth and, as well as obedience is one of the traits of authentic Christianity. But he's already started to unpack what this truth is. Last week, we heard the truth of God appearing on earth as Jesus Christ, the truth that God is light, the truth that sin is real, the truth that we need to be purified by Jesus in order to enjoy fellowship with God. These are all truths that are linked to obedience. Because if those truths are really in us, the appearing of Jesus, the purity of God, our sinfulness, the purification that comes from Jesus, if those truths are not just sitting on the surface of our lives but are deeply in us and impacting us, of course we'll be obedient. How could we not be obedient given the importance of those truths? See, imagine someone sitting up there on the railway lines just up there, uh, sitting in the middle of the railway track about, I don't know, what, what is it, 1.30 in the afternoon, just about when the XPT is due through. And you are standing there telling them, get off the line. There's this, a massive train is about to come along. And you even show them the timetable to convince them that the XPT is about you. So eventually they say, well, OK, I'm convinced. I believe it's true, XPT is about to come through. And yet they still don't move. Clearly they don't think it's true. Clearly they're lying when they say it's think it's true. Clearly the truth of the XPT is not in them. Otherwise they'd get off the tracks. The XPT is about to be in them. Because that's the thing about some truths. Truth by some truths by the very nature of it being true demands action because of how important it is. So it is with the appearing of Jesus. The truth about the purity of God, the truth about our sinfulness, the truth about our purification that comes. If that's true, action's got to follow. Obedience follows. So if you're not obeying God, you just haven't come to terms with the truth about God. In John's words, the truth is not in you. But as I say, we'll hear more about that because this link between obedience and truth, both being traits of authentic followers of God, that's going to keep developing. For now, there's another link that John wants to make. This one involves love. Verse 5. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. Now, just like there's going to be a lot more said about truth down the track, there's going to be a lot more said about love down the track as well. This is the first time the love word gets mentioned, appropriate that it's Valentine's Day. It's going to appear another 40 times in the letter. 
Next week, for example, it's going to be all about love. And that's because, as we will discover, love, as well as obedience and truth, they're going to be the big three traits of authentic Christianity that John is going to keep hammering away on for the rest of the letter. But here in verse 5, it's a really interesting phrase that introduces this issue of love. If anyone obeys God, God's love is made complete in him. If you've got an ESV, it'll say that the love of God is being perfected in him. It's an interesting phrase. By it, John means that God's love is reaching its end goal in us when we're being obedient. God's love is achieving its end purpose that God wants to achieve in us when we are being obedient. That obedience itself is actually the end game that God is working to in our lives. But what's really spectacular about this phrase is that it's not just a passive sort of thing either. See, I might say, you know, my love for Sue might be that my end goal is for Sue to be happy. But God's love here is much more proactive than just that because it's referring to God himself being in us by his spirit so as to achieve the end goal of obedience in us. Now, this is actually quite a hard thing to get our heads around because it's a supernatural thing that's being referred to here. It's the idea that God himself becomes part of who we are. In a very real way, in a very personal way, God lives in us and is at work in us and it's actually his love. Not our love, his love that is in us, changing us, shaping us to be obedient. And so just like you know, on a building site, you might see a framework going up and foundations being built, and windows going in, and that's all evidence of the sign that's on the front fence saying men at work. Well, when we are being obedient to God, there ought to be a sign around our neck saying God at work in this person. As it's God's actual love perfecting his purposes and achieving its end goal in us when we obey him. Now, as I say, that's a mind-boggling big idea. I certainly struggle to even have the right words to adequately describe it. But just keep an eye on it because for the rest of the letter, this sort of thing is going to pop up a few times. We'll come back to it. But for now, I just want you to be excited by it. Excited by what is actually going on in you when you are one of God's children. Especially excited by what's going on in you when you you are being an obedient one of God's children. Because I think that's what John's original intention here is in this lesson. The lesson that obedience is a sign of genuineness, that is actually meant to encourage his readers in this letter. Because you see, a very natural reaction to this morning's passage is to be intimidated and challenged by it, isn't it? Obedience is a sign of genuineness suddenly makes me wonder, gosh, I wonder if I'm a Christian then because my obedience isn't that great sometimes. And there certainly is a place for that sort of self-reflection. John would have heard Jesus himself push people in that direction time and time and time again. One time Jesus said to the crowds, why do you call me Lord, Lord, yet don't do what I say? And so you might be sitting out there this morning calling Jesus Lord, Lord. 
And it's lovely to hear you say that about Jesus. But Jesus himself, he might like to just sit down next to you and go through what you actually did during the week. What TV shows did you watch? What websites did you visit? How did you get on with your temper? Let's have a look at the bank card statement. What did you actually spend your money on? What about those jokes you told at work or the things you said about other people at school? How'd you go out loving your wife the way Jesus wants you to? There's definitely a place for that sort of self-reflection. But here in 1 John, I actually think that is not the tone that John is going for here. Look again at the second half of verse 5. I think there's a level of affirmation in this. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. John is writing all this stuff to his original readers so that they will be reassured that they truly are God's people. This is how we know that we're in him. Remember from the beginning verse, it's all about knowing that we have come to know Jesus. In fact, have a sneak peek across into chapter 2, verse 14. We'll get to this next Sunday, but look at chapter 2, verse 14. I write to you, brothers, fathers, sorry, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. See, John is not writing this letter to beat up on his original readers. doesn't want to put a guilt trip on them. He's writing to reassure them, to encourage them, to let them know that despite all these fake people of God floating around, his original readers, they're the real deal. They're the genuine article. And it shows because of their obedience. And I think it would be lovely to take a leaf out of John's book this morning and actually use this lesson as an opportunity for us to encourage one another. And don't mishear me, there may well be scope to go away and do some personal soul-searching about uh, your own level of obedience, but let's also, let's especially use this morning's lesson that obedience reflects genuineness. Let's use the lesson the way John uses it to encourage one another. So if you have noticed someone at church who is just being really careful about what they watch or what they read because they don't want to fill their minds with things that are unhelpful, or if you notice someone who holds their tongue and does not gossip about other people and he ever says things that are helpful and Useful for building up. If you've noticed someone who is loving their husband or loving their wife really well and working hard to be a parent who doesn't exasperate their children, if you know that someone is actually deliberately cutting back on what they drink, what, how, they, how much they've been drinking lately because they don't want to be mastered by anything, if you're aware of someone who's got a specific issue in their life, a real problem, but they are taking tangible steps to address it? If you know someone who is consciously 
changing how they live because of things that they've been convicted about as they've read the Bible. If you know someone who has, a, who has fessed up to a problem and is actually making themselves accountable over it because they honestly want to change, if you're aware of someone who is so generous, even though they don't seem to have a lot themselves, if you know someone who is seeking to be kind and compassionate all the time, even to the most awkward people, if you're aware of a person who is always honest and truly their word is their bond, if you have noticed someone like that, if you have noticed a follower of Jesus who is being obedient... Tell them you've noticed. Tell them you're encouraged by them. And tell them to keep at it. Because that is a dead set sign that they know Jesus. And the truth is in them. And God's love is being made complete in them. That would be a lovely thing to hear, wouldn't it? I'll pray. Father, thank you for your grace and mercy to us that even though we don't deserve it, we can be your people by Jesus Christ purifying us from all our sinfulness. And we thank you for that. Father, we pray that we would excel at being a people that are noticeably obedient to you so that we might honour you and, uh, and that your love might be complete in us. Amen.